This is your inside look at the Canadian Football League. CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara on the TSN Radio Network, delivered by Domino's. Visit dominoes.ca today. We enter week 14 in the Canadian Football League. Welcome to CFL Weekly. You're listening across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Great show for you today, folks. Old friend of mine, he's done a great job covering the CFL from awful announcing him about a barn burner. Andrew Buckholtz will join me as well. TSN.ca Scott Cullen for some team power rankings as well as uh, some CFL fantasy tips. And we'll, of course, cover all the top stories from around the CFL. But guys, I got to listen to this deal. Listen to this. Our sponsor, as you know, Domino's Pizza. We love them. They just keep giving better and better deals. Go to Domino's.ca right now. So how about this? Until the 24th of September, buy any pizza at menu price and get a second pizza of equal or lesser value free. Yeah, carryout only. But if you go online, dominoes.ca, any pizza for carryout, menu price, get a second of equal or lesser value for free. How do you beat that? Free pizza. Domino's is giving away free pizza. And I'm going to give you a chance to win some free pizza as well. So when this show is posted, so when it goes up Thursday morning, by Thursday night at around 8 o'clock-ish, I will be picking the winner of this week's Domino's Pizza. So what you have to do, as we've done the last couple weeks, you have to follow at Domino's Canada on Twitter. You have to follow me at AndyMC81 and retweet my pinned tweet. So the pinned tweet at AndyMC81, which will have the show link. You retweet that, you follow Domino's Canada and myself, and you'll be entered into the draw to win free pizza as well. Gotta love it. Okay, folks. Uh, Ton to get to. Let's get to the Blitz. And first of all, I'm going to begin with the Ottawa Red Blacks. And we have a lot of quarterback talk today, folks, okay? So you have Ottawa Red Blacks. You have Trevor Harris. He's out. Drew Tate comes in. Opportunity, right? And they won the game 29-11 over the Alouettes. But Drew Tate is likely going to be out. He is likely going to miss this week uh, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, oh boy. Uh, Now you're down to quarterback number three. Now it's an arm-shoulder type of injury. So it, it, he could play, but at this point in the year, all right, how much do you want to risk? Ryan Lindley, the third stringer, could be getting some opportunity. And he did last week. He, he came in uh, part we got, got a few reps, right, for Ryan Lindley. Big guy, 7 to 14, 50% through a pick on his first pass. But, you know, hey, you got to shake off the rest. So Lindley... If you're not aware, he played his college football at San Diego State, was a sixth-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals in the NFL in 2012. So for Lindley, it's going to be an opportunity, 6'3", 232. So big arm, like the size. What is he going to do against a Winnipeg Blue Bombers team that is absolutely surging? And it's at home. I know the Bombers haven't had the most, uh, the best success historically over the last couple of years in that building, but they're playing so well and they're coming off the bye week. So the Red Blacks, you might get a little, little bit of a, a, a surprise factor because there's not that much tape on Lindley, but really that is going to be, uh, that's going to be difficult. Uh, there are reports too that it, for Montreal, who are playing the Toronto Argonauts, that despite the absolutely horrific performance by Darian Durant in the 29-11 loss to the Red Blacks, that he will start, that he will be getting the start. Drew Willie came in in relief, played okay, 
12 to 17, 70% completion percentage, no TDs, no interceptions. Good backup type numbers. I think if you're the Alouettes, I don't hate this. Like Durant, he's not moving the offense, but he's your guy. He's the vet. Give him a chance. Give him a little bit of a longer leash to to try to get by. Now, here's what what jumps out to me as being a storyline that I have no idea how this is going to play out because by all accounts, Jonathan Jennings coming into this year was one of the darling rising stars of the Canadian Football League, right? Then you had Travis Lule in the background, but Jennings got injured. He came in, played very well. So maybe, and then Jennings went back in. Maybe you hear some of those footsteps. You're not secure. You don't think, you know, it can get in your head a little bit. Well, Lule's out. He's done for the year. His knee exploded. He's gone. You come out and you put up the dud that you did by Jonathan Jennings. 15 and 29, three interceptions. Oh my. The BC Lions are in a complete free fall. So the question becomes oh, did Jennings all of a sudden turn into a bad quarterback? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Is it in his head? What can be done? Well, we have an answer, potentially, or at least some analysis, from a couple of our TSN colleagues out west. Farhan Lalji along with Julio Caravada. And Julio, after throwing three interceptions in the last game, we've got to start with Jonathan Jennings. Yeah. What does he need to do to find his game and get some confidence? Well, I think uh, what's really, really key for him right now is success early. You know I mean? That interception early, I think, in Calgary really kind of hurt him. And then all of a sudden you get those thoughts of all those bad throws he's had in previous games. Mm-hmm. So I think for a young quarterback, he needs to find success early. Now, however he does that, when they played against the Alouettes, it was that running game that they started going off with early that got him into the game, the short passing game I think that's the big thing for me they they need to get him confidence early and once he starts going he's can he can take off but that that confidence <clears throat> needs to come early yeah and I think that he needs some help it starts with the receivers because teams are taking away the short pass the receivers aren't getting open on any of those underneath routes right now and they're also not making some adjustments from what we understand that they need to be making mm-hmm. so there's some confusion he double clutches the ball tries to get it down the field and then the offensive line is not good enough to protect for longer developing roads so yeah. you're damned if you do and you're yeah. damned if you don't right now if you're Jonathan Jennings. And let's talk a bit about that offensive line. They went with four Canadians in the last yeah. game. Looks like they may not this week. Well, it looks like Kelvin Palmer is going to get mm-hmm. back in at right tackle. So that's, you know, that looks like it may be a change. And, you know, Farhan, we can go around and around about the quarterback, the receivers, and all the rest of it. Yeah. It all starts up front. And that offensive line needs to come together. It needs to find a way. Again, this is going to be another change to that offensive line. So what's that? Seven weeks in a row they've come with a different offensive line. They need to come together because if they can get going, this team has a chance. If they don't, it could be a long six weeks. Yeah, beyond the offensive line, though, I really think some scheme changes are in order as well. You know, we're seeing more of those double tight looks as they try to mm-hmm. protect the offensive line, but they got to find a way to get Chris Williams the football. Oh. And I think that Kahari Jones needs to take away some of the decision making for Jonathan Jennings in terms of the run pass option game and, and, and a lot of audibles and things like that and say, look, we're going to find some ways to make sure that he's getting the ball right now and there's no guesswork. You know, I, I think if you can do that, that will also allow this offense to click a little bit early in football games. Now, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. The Lions defense pretty much did everything they could have done in that Calgary game other than maybe uh, an interception drop by TJ Lee. I think they played very well and they're now going to get some reinforcements with Alex Bazzi. How does that impact this team? Well, you mean Alex Bazzi is a proven commodity. You know, we know what we can get out of him, right? He's going to be a guy that's going to be able to use that speed and get upfield. He's going to cause some chaos. He's a guy that can track a quarterback down from the backside. He's going to, you know, for most offensive tackles, he's going to be a handful. So anytime you add a weapon like that, now all of a sudden it could open up a little bit more space inside and to the other defensive or the other defensive end. So 
for me, getting him back has really, really comes at a, a critical time. Ken Boltwright has, has stepped in and done a very, very nice job. I'd like to see the both of those guys in there because they both bring an element of speed off the edge. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and I know the concern with Bazzi previously was that he was just not necessarily stout enough against the run, but he added weight for his NFL opportunity. He's brought that weight back with him, and it looks like he might be able to hold up there. And we saw a bit of a byproduct of his success in the last game as they took Craig Rowe and they moved him inside in certain pass rush situations. Yeah. Now they got a lot more speed on the field <clears throat> at the same time. But again, the defense did its part in the last game. They didn't get any help from the offense and special teams. We'll see what it looks like on Friday when the Lions play host to Hamilton. All right, Farhan Laji leading the way there from TSN out in BC. Want to get to our Twitter poll. I haven't got to that yet, at AndyMC81 on Twitter. And the question is, at this point in the season, heading into week 14, who's your leader for CFL Coach of the Year? And you can go off the board here. There's only four spots. People say, how many you didn't include this team? There's four spots, okay? That's what Twitter allows. I can't change the Twitter rules. That's what it allows. So heading into week 14, who's your leader for CFL Coach of the Year? Your options. Stamps and Dickinson. Bombers with O'Shea. Argos, Tressman, or Eskimos and Moss. You might sprinkle in Red Blacks and Campbell at this point. I don't know if there's somebody else you think deserves to be there. You can tweet at AndyMC81 and you can vote there to get your thoughts heard on who should be the CFL Coach of the Year at this point. Now, you go back five weeks. Well, you're probably taking Jason Moss of the Eskimos, right? But now, a little, little, little bit of a free fall. Uh, we're going to get to Andrew Buckholtz from Awful Announcing and from Barn Burner. Now, I wanted to play this, and it'll lead into an article that Andrew wrote uh, for Barn Burner about the rules that came out next week, the new uh, um, edict that came down from uh, uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi about player safety, no contact practices. Now, Monday Night Football, Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald on Westwood One. Uh, Larry does uh, interviews with Jim Gray uh, every Monday. And Jim Gray asked about the news that came out about the no-contact practices, and here are Larry's thoughts. Jim Gray, along with Larry Fitzgerald, as we count down to kickoff between the Lions and the Giants. Uh, Larry, an interesting development out of the Canadian Football League uh, that the NFL now says it will monitor, and that will be a ban on any contact in practices. What do you think about that? You know what? I heard that this morning too, Jim, and, and I was kind of taken back. I was thinking some of the positives and I was thinking some of the negatives. You know, I think one of the things I think has, has really gotten weaker is tackling in the National Football League. I, I mean, I, it's league-wide. It's a lot more guys missing tackles. And I, I think due to the minimal amount of contact that we already have, that part of the game has, you know, gotten worse. But in terms of protecting the long-term health of players, I think that's something that, um, you know, should be looked at and monitored. All right, Larry Fitzgerald there, Jim Gray asking the questions. We will take the break and come back on the other side with Andrew Buckholtz from Awful Announcing and Barnburner writes about the CFL. A lot more coming up here on CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. Football season is here and Domino's has you covered. Hungry? Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carry out deals at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. We have your complete meal including delicious side dishes and desserts. Check out our $7.99 mix and match offer that has something for everyone including two two-topping medium pizzas, mouth-watering pasta, amazing chicken wings, bread sides, and don't forget to try our irresistible marbled cookie brownie. See all this and more at dominoes.ca. You're listening to CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara, delivered by Domino's on the TSN Radio Network. Welcome back to CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. And I'm connecting here, reconnecting with an old friend. I talked to this guy for, oh gosh, longer than, longer than I'd like to say, but at least, at least seven years, maybe a bit longer. 
Uh, Mr. Andrew Buckholz, one of the finest CFL minds and writers that uh, I've gotten to know. He's a staff writer for Awful Announcing and Barn Burner when it comes to the Canadian Football League. Andrew, how's it going, buddy? I'm pretty good. Thanks a lot for having me, Andy. Oh, a pleasure. And you know what? You wrote an article, and people can uh, find it and follow you on, on Twitter where you post your work, at Andrew Buckholz, on what was one of the hottest topics last week about the CFL and the CFLPA agreeing to eliminate full contact practices. You wrote a piece about that. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I think this is a good move uh, for the CFL. Uh, I've done a lot of writing on uh, the impact of concussions over the years, and uh, and not just and not just concussions, but subconcussive hits, and that's what a lot of the research is really focusing on. Is saying that uh, potentially long-lasting brain trauma can arise not even just from diagnosed concussions, but from subconcussive hits. So the, a lot of the push out there is to try and reduce the amount of contact in practices, and uh, that's that seems to be what the CFL is going for here. Now, it's, it's worth noting that this isn't as huge of a move as it would be in some other leagues because the CFL already uh, had it at a point where they were only having one full contact practice a week uh, during the season. So this is, this is a, it's a pretty, um, a, but it's still a pretty big move, and sure. especially just doing away with it altogether. Uh, that's something that we haven't really seen in any other league, and I think it's, it's a good move by the CFL. Um, the CFL is a league that is, does have to deal with these issues of concussions and head trauma. They're facing lawsuits over it. So I, I feel like this is something that it will help on that front and also should help on just reducing injuries in general. I mean, uh, you see all sorts of other injuries in practice, and some of those come from, from contact. Uh, when when you've got big football players hitting each other, people are going to get hurt. And so I think it makes sense to keep their, keep their players healthy and uh, have better rosters going into the games, and I feel that teams will be able to adapt to it and will be able to, to not really uh, lose much quality as a result. And that's going to be the interesting thing, Andrew. What does it mean to the gameplay? Does do we see any sort of of difference on the field? Because one of the the issues I think that comes down, and really, heck, you could go college football, NFL, CFL, whatever. It's the the te- the tackling technique is what mm-hmm. has been been lacking. And so I wonder, without this, while it's it's safety, either the the quality of the game, which which you have to at some point put secondary uh, because of the health, but also, hey, if you're not practicing technique-wise during the game when you're playing, I wonder if that could lead to some injuries too because people aren't just used to getting hit. Do you think that has any validity? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a concern that some people have raised, and I think uh, there's something to it. Uh, but I do I do feel that because this is the CFL, because this is professional football, that's a little less of a concern. Mm-hmm. Because the, the guys in this league, they've been playing football for a long time, sure, right? Sure. I mean, they're playing middle school, high school, college. So there's been a lot of tackling instruction over the years. That doesn't necessarily mean they always do it well or they always tackle with good form 
I, I think in particular in the CFL, there's still way too much uh, leading with the helmet that, uh, that I'd like to see really reduced. But I don't think that, that taking out um, once a week where they can hit people in practice, I don't think that that's really going to make a big difference. And, and there's, I mean, and there's still opportunities for them to practice tackling form and so on, just on dummies. It's, it's yeah, just, true. I, I don't, I don't think that you have to necessarily be hitting the guys on your own team in order to have that form in games. Yeah, and and that's fair. And I think you you bring up a good point um, on that it's only the once a week type thing. Mm -hmm. So how much of a difference uh, will it be? It's going to be interesting to follow. And and certainly, at least from a PR side, a good look uh, by the league there. Now, uh, also in the story, you wrote about my guy from the NFL, you know, Johnny Manziel, right? Johnny Football pushing the envelope, and now we're kind of waiting and see when is that, you know, that 10-day window it got extended. And Do you have any sort of feel as far as what will happen here? Because I think, Andrew, when you look at just skill-wise, and the off-the-field is what's been Johnny's problem, of course, but, but skill-wise, I think Johnny is built for success in the CFL if he takes it seriously. Yeah, I feel he's certainly a better fit for the CFL than a lot of the other high-profile NCAA quarterbacks uh, that have been talked about over the years. Uh, I've, a huge part of that is his age. I mean, he's still very young, yeah. and uh, and that's really the key part here. As we've seen over and over again with a lot of CFL quarterbacks, it's incredibly rare for somebody to find success in their first year in the Canadian Football League because the game is so different, especially at the quarterback position uh, and because there's so much that you have to adapt to. The the real pattern seems to be, uh, okay, well, a guy can come up, uh, be a a backup or a third strainer for a year or two, and then maybe after that he can be a starter. And uh, that doesn't really work when you're talking about somebody like Vince Young, who the Saskatchewan mm-hmm. Rough Riders tried, tried earlier this year, because he's already in his 30s. And uh, But with Johnny Manziel, if he's willing and ready to, to commit to the CFL for a couple of years, I think there's some potential there. And he, his skill set also is, is a really good fit for the CFL. Um, it, it's, I think, something that's useful with him. A lot of the big, high-profile NCAA quarterbacks have come up and been talked about, but haven't really worked out. Have been really running, running-focused quarterbacks, and that's great and can be useful in the CFL. But that's not necessarily the, the, the skill set you really need. It's such a passing-oriented league. Uh, it's a free downs only, and you, I think you really have to be efficient with your passages. With your passes in this league, I think the completion percentage is one of the most important stats out there because when you only have free downs, you really have to make them count. And Johnny Menzel, in college at least, was way ahead a lot of a lot of the other NCAA quarterbacks we've seen come up here in the, the realm of completion percentage. He's a guy who also has great mobility and has proved really adept at Texas A&M of using his legs to get out of trouble, to extend the play, but also still keeping his eyes downfield and still making passing plays. So I, I think he he is a guy... If he's able to channel that college level of play and get back to that, and I feel that CFL offenses are, are, are a lot closer to what he did at A&M mm-hmm. than what he did at Cleveland Brown, so that certainly helps too. But if he, yeah, if he can get back to that level of form, I think he's a guy who could fit this league. 
And then, but it, but really, Andrew, it all comes down to how serious. Because we've seen lots of guys, as yeah. you said, not just skill set wise, but attitude wise, come up. Eh, it's a Canadian mm-hmm. football league. I'll, you know what? I'll do here, and then I'll get signed by the NFL. It'll be easy. If you don't take this thing seriously, your butt will be out of this league as quick as it came in. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, and that's something that's really interesting about quarterbacks in the CFL in particular. I've written a lot on this over the years, but a lot of the CFL's quarterbacks aren't the guys who come, uh, the successful ones at least, aren't the guys who come from prominent programs. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are coming in from smaller uh, smaller NCAA FBS schools, from, from FCS schools, which is level below that. We've had some successful guys from Division II, like, uh, like Trevor Harris. So, I mean, I feel like at quarterback in particular, a lot of the guys with with less of a higher profile really are more willing to put in the work and more willing to just throw out what they know and drastically relearn a new game. And so, yeah, it definitely is going to be a question with with Manziel if he does come up uh, of how much will he be willing to really put in the work and really, really figure out how the Canadian Football League is going to work. Yeah, it'll be fascinating if it, if that does go down. In conversation with Andrew Buckholtz on Twitter, at Andrew Buckholtz. Uh, Andrew, want to get your take on our uh, poll question here at AndyMC81, CFL Weekly Twitter poll. Heading into Week 14, who's your leader for CFL Coach of the Year? And I ran the, uh, my, my thinking was, all right, at this point, we'll take the, the four teams with the best record. So I took Calgary, Winnipeg, Ottawa, mm-hmm. and Toronto. Out of those four, or hey, you can go off the board. Who's your leader for Coach of the Year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I would have had a very different answer. Yeah, 100%. For the, the, for the start of the season, I think it would have been Jason Moss and mm-hmm. the Eskimos who got them off to such a great start and persevered despite a lot of injuries. And I think there, there's still a good chance that he may win it in the end if they're able to turn around this recent skid. But Edmonton certainly has fallen off a fair bit over the last while. Uh, I, I think all of those West teams are, are good candidates there. I'm, I'm not. I think Mark Trushman's doing an okay job in Toronto, but he's not somebody I, I'm not really super sold on it yet. I feel there's still plenty of problems with that team. But in Winnipeg, uh, Michael Shea seems to have really taken the Bombers to the next level. Uh, they're getting to a point where they they do look like a real a real contender. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they're all the way there yet, but it's certainly continued improvement for them, and that's always good to see. And I, I really I love what Dave Dickinson's doing in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's just kept that team kept that team rolling. And uh, the, the Calgary Stampeders have been so good over the last few years. Uh, they're good in every area of the game. It's uh, the offense, defense, and make huge plays on special teams. And it's remarkable how uh, Dave Dickinson has really just uh, kept on with a lot of what was working with John Huffnagel as a head coach. But he's also he's tweaked things in his own ways. Uh, they've survived all sorts of personnel changes, and uh, so I think. He would be my front runner at the moment, just given how good the Calgary Stampeders look. Andrew, never enough time, my friend. Let's do it again before the end of the uh, end of the season. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. That was Andrew Buckholz, uh, staff writer for Awful Announcing and Barnburner covers the Canadian Football League. Great follow on Twitter at Andrew Buckholz. Okay, we'll take the break. Come back, talk some team power rankings heading into Week 14 and some CFL fantasy tips. Scott Cullen. Up next, here on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. 
This is your inside look at the Canadian Football League. CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara on the TSN Radio Network, delivered by Domino's. Visit dominoes.ca today. Welcome back to the show. This is CFL Weekly, and you're listening across the TSN Radio Networks. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. On the line now, folks. And, of course, we are delivered by Domino's. This gentleman knows this. It's National Carryout Week, Scotty, and that means that with Domino's, if you buy a pizza, carryout online order, you get one of equal or lesser value for free. So you wanted a free pizza. I kind of got it for you. Sort of. That's not bad. That's not bad, Andy. Right? I, I, can, I can work with that. We're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. All right, Scotty. So let's go through, as, as we start, go through some of the, the team power rankings here. And it was an interesting week because you had the Argos offense. And we talked about it last week. We weren't sure what Ricky Ray and Toronto offense showed up. They blew up. You had Calgary put the boots to the Lions. Ottawa did what they did against Montreal. And Saskatchewan brought Hamilton back down. To reality. So if we're looking at the top, I'm I'm guessing safe to say Calgary has done nothing to remove themselves. Well, no, they they've been uh kind of comfortably established as the number one team for uh-huh. for a while and, and really none of the you know, none of the contenders are uh, are making any kind of I mean Edmonton's making a race a race down as fast as they yeah. can and then, yeah. um and same with B C really. Um, you know, Winnipeg is sort of the, the one kind of legit challenger and they were on a bye, so you know they're they're not certainly going to make any any kind of push uh, for that top spot. So I think Calgary has. Um, I mean, even even with you know the injuries they have at receiver, you know they just kind of kept on rolling against BC. Uh, Mark and Michelle had uh, had a good game for them to mm-hmm. to kind of lead the way. And and I mean I would say one of the promising things out of that game for Calgary is that Bo Levi Mitchell looked um, you know better than he has I would say in. You know, the, the last month or so, yeah. as, as we know, he seems to be playing through an injury, and, and the results haven't been kind of typical Bo Levi Mitchell. Um, but you know, the the end result for the Stampeders keeps keep, uh, being wins when it, week after week. So, um, yeah, I, I think everybody else seems to be playing for second place at this point. Yeah, and then you look and you talk about teams on the kind of race to the bottom, the BC Lions, Scotty. Like, what a complete nosedive, Jonathan Jennings. I was thinking that maybe May right like right <laughs> last year the darling came in and and I thought maybe okay Travis Lule came in in relief he played really well some quarterbacks you know you hear those footsteps people in the background but Lule's gone for the year he ain't coming yeah. back to take your job yeah. Jonathan Jennings so I thought maybe with a little bit of that pressure relieved we'd see something better than 167 yards zero touchdowns three picks like what do the Lions do well, I mean, I don't think they have much choice at, at this point, right? Like, no. Hope, hope that Jonathan Jennings can can turn it around and uh, and get back on track. But it's it's been a a really rough season for Jennings, and you know, it's one it's one thing to you know you miss a little time with injury, and, and Lule came in and played really well. Which, yeah. You know, at that look at that point, we were looking at the BC quarterback situation and thinking, well, you know, they're in really good shape, but they have a backup who can come in and give you 400 yards passing and and keep the offense rolling, and, and you know. There, sure. there was lots of reason to be optimistic about, yeah. about what was going on with BC, but then when Jennings came, uh, has come back, I mean, he he just he, he struggled. 
I mean, he's, he has six touchdowns, 12 interceptions this year. This is, this is not becoming of a, of a CFL starting quarterback. No. And, and, at the, and at this point, you know, with Lou layout, I don't think the Lions have a viable alternative. The alternative here is, you know, fix Jonathan Jennings, and maybe that, that turns your season around. But if you can't fix him, well, then you're probably cooked. Right. And it wasn't that long ago, it seemed like we were talking about Calgary, Edmonton, and BC. We were saying the mm-hmm. one A, B, and C. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, and Calgary is the only team that's really kind of stuck on that path. Sure, sure. You know, Ed, Edmonton, and uh, I mean, I, I've, I mentioned it, I think it was last week, that I said, look, I, I still think there's hope with Edmonton. I mean, one, as long as they have Mike Riley, you know, he's, he's a very good quarterback. Um, that gives them hope, and, and their receiving core has been uh, bolstered, um, getting Daryl Walker back from the NFL and Darius Bowman back from injury. Like, I can see you know, the makings of, of something in Edmonton, but you know, it's also the makings of a team that's lost five in a row. So, um, you know, we won't get too optimistic until they find their way back into the win column. In conversation with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Scott, if we look at the Montreal Alouettes, and it's, they, have, they have some great players on the team, I'll, I'll say that, but it, it seems to me like I almost have to go out of my way to find anything interesting to say about the Alouettes. Like they're bad, but they're not like the Ticats were like dumpster fire bad. Like you, <laughs> like car crash. Look, look over here. Montreal is just like quietly boring bad. Like they're just kind of there right now. Yeah, well, give the Alouettes a little time. They might be able to work themselves into that uh, dumpster fire discussion because, you know, the, when they Darian Durant went 0 for 6 to start last week and they replaced him with Drew Willie, and, um, look, the, the offense has been inconsistent at best, I would say, for uh, um, for Montreal. And, it, and if, you know, if Darian Durant, you know, if they've sort of lost that loving feeling with Darian Durant and, um you know, I, I I don't foresee how the offense immediately gets better. You know, the, maybe right, there's right. a long range plan that yes, somehow it, it gets better. But in in the short term, like I don't think throwing Drew Willie in there suddenly makes you optimistic about Montreal's chances. I think that's uh, uh, look. This is a very quarterback driven league, and and if your your quarterback play isn't good enough, um, it can be really hard to win. And uh, I think that's you know, that, that's sort of what Montreal is finding out for the most part of this year, because I think their defense in general has been pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're not scoring enough points to, to compete, um, you know, all that defensive effort seems to be kind of going for naught. And, you know, as we talked about um, when it came to the fantasy perspective last week, trying to find quarterbacks, you know, viable quarterbacks to use in the game, you know, it, it wasn't that easy. And, no. and really early in the year, a lot of teams had kind of established settled quarterback situations and you could kind of just make your choice based on, on price, say, for fantasy purposes. But now as you're, as you're, going through the, the quarterback situations with some injuries and, and guys struggling, uh, suddenly there aren't so many great options. And, and I think you know, Darian Durant just happens to be one of the, the quarterbacks who's struggling. Right, and with Drew Willie, we've, we saw him last year in relief with Toronto. Now, he certainly has, he has starting experience. He's won in the league. He has a skill set, but th- this seems more and more for Montreal, like just get through the year at this point and try to sort things out in the offseason. Because, yeah, like Drew Willie... Hey, sometimes change of scenery helps, but I'm not buying, just like Jeremiah Masoli and Hamilton, I'm not buying that that guy is your future answer. He might be able to get you into the finish line, but not your future. Oh, exactly. That's like like some of these guys, uh, uh, you know, rent rather than buy in the city that you're in. <laughs> I, I don't know that uh, uh, that's really the long-term future um, in those quarterback situations. That You know, I, I think uh, in, in some cases, teams have, uh, They've almost thrown up their hands, you know, like in Hamilton's case, I think they, they, 
you know, they expected more out of Zach Caleros, who, and understandably so. He's had, mm-hmm. He has a track record to expect more than what he gave them early in the year. Um, but to decide that, okay, we're going to start Jeremiah Mazzoli instead of Zach Caleros, you're kind of throwing up your hands and saying, wow, we just we don't have really a great answer here because Jeremiah Mazzoli um, doesn't appear to be like a long-term answer. He's, you know, he, he's somebody who can maybe get you through a game or two. But uh, if you think, okay, well, Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to turn this ship around, well, good luck. Right, and it, moving to the fantasy side in conversation with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. Speaking of Mazzoli and fantasy, despite uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli being the starting quarterback for the Hamilton Ticats, Zach Caleros is still more expensive. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, uh, the fantasy game is a little skeptical of things there, too. Yeah, they're like, uh, they, 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 they trust Mazzoli so little that they'll still put the backup who's not going to play ahead of them. That's uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's, well, and that, that to me is strange pricing. I mean, he, he, on you, you sort of have to factor in opportunity. And we've talked about when you're looking for value in, yeah, yeah. in the game. At, at other positions, I would say, you know, it, it's nice to find a, a guy who's, whose price doesn't quite reflect his opportunity. Um, at quarterback, I think we all kind of know who who's going in to be the starter we, uh, from one week to the next. And, um and if you don't expect the guy to start, well, how can you possibly, you know, cast your fantasy lot with that player for that week? Like, like yes, if Zach Caleros and Jeremiah Mazzoli were both playing games this week, I would have higher hopes for uh, Caleros to put up put up good numbers. But that's not how this is working. No. They don't get to play games side by side, and, and then we'll see. It's, well, Hamilton has been running with Jeremiah Mazzoli as their starter, so why I think the price should probably reflect that. But, uh you know, my my wise san, uh, fantasy advice uh, for that is avoid both of them. And right. Find find someone else. Now, here's an interesting situation. Maybe it's something out in the water in Regina this year with just re- quarterback play popping up and and just teasing you, it, even though you know it's probably not going to be consistent. How about Brandon Bridge Fantastic, last week? Eh? Whoo! Three yeah. TDs, 231 yards, rushed a couple times. Like now. Uh, I I love a Canadian quarterback. However, again, we we look ahead to this week into the lineup. Do you trust Brandon Bridge? Who is he's uh, they're playing the the Calgary Stampeders at home, and they've been very good at home. You got a yeah. value there, just over seventy two hundred bucks. Yeah, well, definitely an inexpensive option if you if you want to do that. I mean, I probably don't trust Brandon Bridge enough to make him my starting quarterback uh, this week. But yeah. honestly, going into last week, I would I would have. Certainly, never predicted him throwing three touchdown passes either. So, um, he he's, he certainly becomes more interesting. Um, uh, and like Deron Carter getting hurt last week obviously doesn't help, but but Bridge kind of fought through it, right? He, he still had Naman Roosevelt, still had Bakari Grant. Both had, both those guys had big games, and and so you know that's kind of one of the reasons that um, even we talked about this last week is that with Bridge coming in, he at least has a good receiving core there. That right. You know, if he got got the ball into their hands, that um, you know they, they could make some plays for him, and appeared to to work for him last week. I'm, I'm still not sure I trust him. You know, talk to me next week after after he plays Calgary, and I might might be uh, willing to bend on this, but I, I don't want to tie my one quarterback spot to Brandon Bridge based on on a single game. Well, and that's tricky too, Scotty, because he's going up against Calgary, which is averaging the most points mm-hmm. fantasy-wise on defense. So you add the the a little bit of the unknown, despite the great past game with going up against the top defense. That that does seem a little uh, that might be a little too rich for my blood. Well, and and look, some of this is just the the scarcity, right? Is that you get one quarterback to pick for the week? 
it, so do you really want to tie yourself to, you know, uh, a quarterback who's, who's made one start going up against the top team in the league, and that's the one guy that you want to tie yourself to at that position for the week? I mean, mm. it's, he's cheaper, there's no doubt, but, um, you know, I, I think you, you run the risk of having a, a disaster game at quarterback, um, whereas, uh, and again, we've talked about how, how kind of scarce the, the quarterback uh, position is suddenly. But I think if if you you know if you go Bo Levi Mitchell or Ricky Ray, um, there's a chance that you'll have a little bit better value. I mean, look look at our top, the top price quarterback, uh, Andy it's Matt Nichols. <laughs> who would have thought? G- game manager who was managing uh-huh. managing his way to 300 passing yards a game, 22 touchdowns. He's uh, uh, yeah, he's now the uh, the darling of the fantasy game. Man. Credit to him. Credit, yeah. Matt, like, bravo, sir. He just well, Exactly. He, Take all these guys who are calling you a game manager and, and running you down he for, showed uh, us. for lack of production and, and uh, you know, tell them where they can shove it. That's right. Sh- slow clap for Matt Nichols. One more for you here, Scotty. <laughs> Running back position. Now, we saw the manimal that was James Wilder, and I love that. <laughs> Talked about it earlier in the show. It was... Um, so, Coach Tressman tells you, oh, I kind of want to see what I have in James Wilder, and we'll give him a shot. And James Wilder says, uh, I'll show you something, and just yeah. goes berserk. Uh, just over 3500 bucks. I would assume that they would go back with him. I don't know how you take him out of that lineup. And yeah. against a Montreal team that is, it, it, we just talked about, the defense is good. But James Wilder, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to put up that type of points, but he looked uh, pretty darn motivated. Well, and, you know, a guy coming up, what do you have, 257 yards, I think, in, in total, Taking a shot on that guy at, at that at this price, you know, thirty five hundred dollars. That's a, a almost a gimme, I think. You know, like, yeah, unless, yeah. unless you find out he's not playing, uh, right? I and think, track. I it. think I think you have to, um, you have to kind of roll the dice and hope that the Argos, you know, maybe had their eyes opened by James Wilder a bit last week, and you know, figure out a way to to keep him playing a, a big role against Montreal. So, but this is this is exactly the kind of thing we're talking about when we're talking about opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Is James mm-hmm. Wilder sort of toils in the background for most of the season, you know, getting kind of spot duty, but then all of a sudden they give him not only give him the starting job, but give him a lot of touches, and and he busts out and has this monster game. So, you know, now that he's had that monster game, you know, does he get to build on it? And I mean, I I think he should logically. It would make sense for Toronto to. Uh, kind of keep at it with, with Wilder and see whether he can, um, you know, like you say, maybe he's not putting up 257 yards every week, but if, if he goes for 100 and 100 plus uh, against Montreal, I think he'd be pretty happy about it. Yeah, and uh, I'll throw into another Roy Finch as either your RB two mm-hmm. or flex for for Calgary this week against Saskatchewan. Uh, with the, with those return points, that's just too too tempting to uh, to leave off. I think at this point, especially the week he's he's had, and he's been he's been pretty consistent. He's had some downweeks, but he's been pretty consistent. Well, any of the return guys are, are you, you're, you run the risk that from now, now and then you're going to end up with weeks where they just, yep. you know, they don't yep. get opportunities and they don't put up points. But look at this past week, uh, you had Deontay Spencer, Martise Jackson, both had big returns and Finch has been, you know, he's kind of right in that group of, of the guys who really pile on uh, the return yards and, and that makes them, you know, good value in fantasy. Scotty, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Andy. That was a TSN.ca Scott Cullen, a must-follow CFL fans. I know you're following him already, but a must-follow if you're not, at TSN Scott Cullen. Okay, we'll take the break, come back to wrap up the show. I'll give you my game picks for Week 14 in the CFL. Lots more coming up. This is CFL Weekly. You're listening across the TSN Radio Network. 
Football season is here and Domino's has you covered. Hungry? Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carry out deals at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. We have your complete meal including delicious side dishes and desserts. Check out our $7.99 mix and match offer that is something for everyone including two two-topping medium pizzas, mouth-watering pasta, amazing chicken wings, bread sides, and don't forget to try our irresistible marbled cookie brownie. See all this and more at dominoes.ca. You're listening to CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara, delivered by Domino's on the TSN Radio Network. Back to wrap up another edition of CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara, and you can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Remember, folks, we are delivered by Domino's, and this week it is National Carryout Sale Week. So for carryout only, buy any pizza at menu price and get a second pizza of equal or lesser value for free. Free pizza! Gotta love it. Dominoes.ca. Dominoes.ca. And don't forget, Thursday night, you can make sure that you retweet my pinned tweet at AndyMC81 on Twitter. Okay, so I'm going to have the CFO Weekly show link up there Thursday after we podcast it uh, from Wednesday night. So it's going to be pinned up there. You have to follow at Domino's Canada on Twitter at AndyMC81. When you see the pinned tweet, retweet it. And after 8 o'clock Thursday night, I will draw the winner for free Domino's pizza. So you can win more free pizza from Domino's. Absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, poll update here uh, at AndyMC81. It was heading into week 14. Who's your leader for CFL Coach of the Year? Stamps Dickinson, Bombers O'Shea, Argos Tresman, or Eskimos Moss? Uh, ooh, Bombers O'Shea has pulled ahead so far at 39%. So we can track that, and you can still vote at AndyMC81. All right. So we talked about the BC Lions and uh, Jonathan Jennings earlier. How about the Calgary Stampeders? And this will play into the game picks, which will come up right after this. But the Calgary Stampeders, 10-1-1, have been absolutely sensational and darn near unstoppable. Here's the CFL panel about Calgary's dominant D with Rod Smith, Jock Climby, and Milt Stiegel. You could certainly praise Bo Levi Mitchell and the offense overall, but this year it has been Calgary's defense dominating, and they, mm. they showed that, that I don't think there's been a case of it more this season. Maybe the game against Hamilton they thoroughly dominated, but they really did a number against uh, Jennings and the BC Lions in this game. And I actually thought the Lions would have a chance in this game, and I say that because Calgary offensively, I thought they would struggle because a lot of their big weapons were out. Were out. But this Calgary Stampede defense just dominated, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell is playing average, but this Calgary Stampeder defense is playing great. And it started from the opening drive. You see this interception right here. They finished with two interceptions, but this defensive line is the strong point of this defense. They're able to give out, get after the quarterback, allowing those linebackers and those defensive backs to make some big plays. They're doing it on all levels of their defense. They're doing a great job. It's going to be difficult for anybody to beat this team because you got Bo Levi Mitchell who's playing okay, but that defense is just allowing everyone else on that team to play some great football. And even when it was 14-7, I don't think anyone, including those BC Lions, thought they had a chance because of the way that defense was playing. Another player of note defensively, uh, Micah Johnson for Calgary, now the Sacks leader, is a tackle impressive. I want to ask you about another Micah, though. And that is Micah Awe of the BC Lions. Now, 30 years ago, people would have watched that hitting and thought, wow, he's yeah. just ferocious. But they do have rules about head-on-head uh, shots right now, and a lot of people are wondering about what he did tonight. Yeah, I think Micah just didn't get the memo because it's, it, it's, it's been going around both leagues. This is a guy out of Texas Tech, and I understand when you're a rookie in this league and you want to make your mark. You want to become known, especially at that middle linebacker position, as a hitter, but uh, he's going to be hearing about this. Uh, I, I, I'm going to bet that Wally Buono 
is yes. going to sit down yes. with Micah and say, we, we can't have this. I mean, we, we want this, this league to survive. We want this game to survive. And if he keeps leading with his head in this fashion, uh, football is going to be done. I mean, yeah. there's just so much being said about this right now. And this hit in particular, I mean, you just cannot lead with your head against one of the premier players in the league. I mean, you can't do it with anybody, but we cannot afford to lose any of these guys. And Messam was out. Uh, luckily, that hit didn't uh, did knock him out exactly. of the game right there. Exactly. But uh, he's going to be hearing from the league, and he's going to be hearing from his teammates. I suspect he'll hear from his coach. Yeah, without a doubt. And and we're not saying he's a dirty player because we don't know him that well. Uh, the, the game film we've seen him or the, the, the times we've seen him play, he flies around. He mm -hmm. just has to change up the way he tackles because he can not only hurt – the other people, he could hurt himself, and nothing good can come out of the way he plays right no. now. That's, that's how – that's the game's evolving. We, we, that's how you were taught to hit yes. before. We're, we are not taught to hit that way anymore, and young players out there who are watching that have to take away something from that and say, you know what, i got to find other ways to get a guy down exactly. without – Leading with my head. The one on Jerome Messam in particular really bothered me, hitting him from yeah. behind. Yeah. Messam tweeting out later thought it was a cheap shot. The bottom line, Calgary Stampeders uh, padding their lead atop the CFL standings, now a 10-1-1. All right, that was the CFL panel. Now to the game picks of the week. Let's see. Hey, you can pop some money down on this and tweet me, at AndyMC81. What are your game picks? Who do you think? First up, to start week 14, Friday, 8 o'clock on TSN. All these games on TSN. Ottawa into Winnipeg. Now, we talked about the Red Blacks before off the top. Might be Drew Tate who's banged up. Might be Ryan Lindley. Might be both. Who knows? The Blue Bombers are on a roll. Now, at home this year, they've really turned it around from past seasons. They're 4-1. If the Red Blacks were fully healthy, Trevor Harris, of course, out. I think this would be a bit more of a ball game. I'm going with the Blue Bombers, and I think they run away with this one. I think they win by 10-plus. So I'll go Blue Bombers. Hamilton into BC. Boy. This is your lunch bucket battle, isn't it? You have Jonathan Jennings, who threw three interceptions. You have the Hamilton Ticats, who had their two-game win streak snapped 27-19 by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh, boy. Jeremiah Masoli in there. One TD, two interceptions. He's wild. But Jennings looks broken right now. On paper, if you just take skill set, Jennings is the better quarterback. But... He's something is wrong. Something is just not working. Might be the O line. Might be a combination of a lot of things. I'm going to go Tie Cats here, folks. I'm going to go Hamilton, and I think it's just because uh, Masoli has had some success in that June Jones system. Uh, now it is on the road. That's a tough place. This is almost a pick 'em. I think this will be ugly. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I'll go Tie Cats to win. That's the 11 o'clock late game on Friday. Then Saturday, Montreal into Toronto. That Alouette's offense is. It's a non-factor right now. It's a non-factor. Darian Durant should start. How short is the hook going to be? He went 0 for 6 to start and got yanked. Argo's putting up those big numbers with Ricky Ray in a, a victory last week over the Edmonton Eskimos, 34-26. James Wilder, oh my goodness, what is James Wilder going to do this week with another opportunity after exploding? Martise Jackson as well, the special teams. Montreal's Alou uh, Alouette's defense is sneaky good, so I don't... I'm not anticipating that the Argos get into the, the 30s, but they'll win, and Alouettes can't really even get into the 20s when it comes to points. So I'll go Argonauts. That's on Saturday, 7 o'clock Eastern, and then 4 o'clock Eastern Sunday. Saskatchewan Rough Riders host the Calgary Stampeders, and wow. You look at the the Riders, 4-1 and one at home, Calgary 4-1-1 one and one away. We just talked about how great the Stamps have been in that defense. The Saskatchewan defense is ferocious. It's nasty. Chris Jones gets his guys to get 
after it. This this one is so hard to predict for me because if if it's it's Brandon Bridge, who's uh, uh, had the great three touchdown game, no interceptions, is he going to get a lot of different looks from the Calgary defense? I'll go Stamps. I believe it will be entertaining. I think this will be entertaining defensively, and and maybe Brandon Bridge can surprise. This is this could be his coming out party. You dethrone you you chop down the West Division leading Stamps. Man, and if they do that, and Edmonton, who is on the bye week, they move into a tie in third in the West Division. So a lot on the line for Saskatchewan there. Okay, uh, great show, everybody. Thank you so much to our guests, Andrew Buckholtz and Scott Collin. And, of course, for all of you for listening and tweeting, you can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. We are delivered by Domino's, and thanks to producer Joe Narsa, of course, as always, every week. You've been listening to CFL Weekly. I'm Andy McNamara, and this has been Across the TSN Radio Network.